welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick. Today, I'm really looking forward to introducing you to a new friend of mine. She's a grief sister, which is a phrase that I sometimes use for other women who have also experienced a painful loss and sadly know the agony of deep grief like I do. Very often, there is just an immediate connection that happens when I meet other people who are walking a similar path. I mean, we just get it. We get each other. We understand the grief journey and the loneliness of grief and the complications and weariness of grief in a way that creates the ability to feel a special friendship bond right from the beginning. And this held true with my guest today. Her name is Angie Hansen, and I'll share a little bit about how we got connected at the beginning of our conversation. She has a hard story. Not only did she lose a son, but within the next two years, she also lost her husband and then her brother. So three huge losses in just a couple of years. What I appreciate about Angie is her ability to lean into her continued grief, even years and years later, and also at the same time, embrace joy and fight for joy and work to encourage and help others in their own difficulties and struggles. Kind of the both and that I continue to talk about. She just embraces it beautifully. Angie is my first podcast guest who has walked through the death of her husband, so I'm thankful for her willingness to share about widowhood, dating again, remarriage, and loving two men, one in heaven and one here. Again, embracing and living out the both and, the unique way that joy and grief can coexist. We cover a lot in this conversation, and Angie has so many good insights to share, so I'm glad you found this episode, and she'll talk about this towards the end of our chat, but after you listen today, I encourage you to check out her work on her blog. She is a wonderful writer and covers so many different topics related to grief, and also you'll hear about a newer project that has really helped her to find purpose in her pain by helping others walk with their friends in grief by creating a whole greeting card line that is grief-specific on Etsy. I hope you're encouraged as you hear from someone 17 years into her grief journey. I know I certainly was. So here's my conversation with Angie Hansen. Well, welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast, Angie. I'm really glad you're here. Hi, thank you for having me, Jody. Yeah, well, we will get into your backstory pretty quickly here, but let's start by just having you share a little bit about yourself and what your life looks like today. Just a little introduction for my listeners. Sure. So I'm Angie Hansen, and I am... Um, just really just an empty nester right now mm-hmm. and I am I have a daughter that's 21 who goes to school uh, out of state and I am married to my husband Chance and we just we play a lot of golf and mm-hmm. I currently um and one year into starting my new Etsy business mm-hmm. so that has been um where I've been putting a lot of my energy and focus on and I yeah absolutely enjoy it and blogging I do a lot of blogging so Mm -hmm. that is kind of where I've been focusing a lot of my energy yeah great well you and I just met for the first time about two weeks ago Um, at the end of each podcast episode I give my little fighting for joy email address and I do get quite a few messages and feedback from people that way which I love and so that's how you reached out and you sent me an email and told me you'd found my podcast through the recommendation of your sister-in-law, right? Yes, correct. Um, who has a mutual friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And so after a little bit of email communication, we decided to meet for coffee. Yes. And it just didn't take me long to realize that um, you would have some helpful things to share on the podcast. So thank you for reaching out and thank you for being here today. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, let's let, dive into your story a little bit, Angie. Um, it's a tough one. Um, 17 years ago, you were married to your husband, Jack. You had two little ones, Gracie and Garrett. So what did your pre-grief family life kind of look like at that point? And then how did your grief journey start? You know, um, we were just that typical family. Uh, we lived on a farm. Uh, so it was, yeah, Jack and myself, and then Gracie was four and then Garrett was uh, one. And we just we just had that typical mm-hmm. um, family life. Um, you know, we hadn't suffered any any tragedy. So um, it was just kind of just perfect. You know, I was I was happy. I was this is what I had wanted mm-hmm. all my entire life mm-hmm. was everything that I had mm-hmm. back in 2006. And then, you know, tragedy did strike us. Um, 
So six days after our son Garrett's first birthday, um, Garrett died. He was at his daycare provider's house and he was just taking his afternoon nap. And when she went to go check on him and wake him up, he was not awake and breathing. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, she did everything she possibly could and she did CPR on him, called 911, you know, Mm -hmm. all those Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. things. And Garrett was life flighted to the med center. And uh, by the time we arrived there, you know, Garrett had died. Mm. And um, at that moment of my life, I think um, I just, my everything left me mm-hmm. and I didn't feel anything. I didn't know. I, I honestly even kind of forgot about Gracie a little bit during mm-hmm. that time period. I was just like, in shock. And yeah. so shocked, yeah. so much shock. And, you know, we had family uh, and some friends come to the hospital uh, with us and be there. And I just took that time to hold Garrett as long as I could. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then um, I always say this. I, you know, finally at one point something happened and my body just like woke up almost. Mm-hmm. And um, I started feeling feelings and in pain, I'm sure. Yeah. And it was just, it was all, all kind of like almost panic too. then. Um, when the, one of the nurses, I think it was, had said something to me about, well, you know, your daughter, here's a teddy bear for your daughter. And here's this. And I was like, oh my goodness, I, mm. I, what I'm like, let's go. And I, I had told my husband, Jack, I said, we need to go home to Gracie yeah. now. Yeah. 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 I I mean, I remember that panic moment too, for me, where you're just so engrossed in what has just happened and the news you've just heard and trying to figure out what is going on. And then the same thing of like, I need to get to my kids. I Mm -hmm. need to get to my living kids who need me Mm -hmm. and I've got to figure this out for them too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of times when something traumatic like that happens, we lose a loved one. We live in this fear of well, who's going to die next? And I still experience that. It's a very real feel that a lot of people who have lost somebody feel. Um, But a lot of times it's, it's just kind of an unfounded fear. And Mm -hmm. it's something that a lot of people just have to live with. But for you, um, you did have um, the next person die. So tell us a little bit about what happened shortly after you buried Garrett. You know, um, we just, um, Jack and I just kind of the first year of Garrett's after his passing, we just, we focused our attention on Gracie and how we were going to move forward Mm -hmm. as a family of three. Mm -hmm. And it was a little over a year after Garrett had died. Um, he, Jack was, he traveled quite a bit for work. And so he had come home from a business trip and he had just told me that his eye was bothering him and you know I looked in his eyes I'm like I don't see anything he went to the doctors um you know this went on for actually a couple months about Mm. a month and a half and Mm. finally he in October of 2007 um Jack was diagnosed with ocular melanoma so he had a large tumor in his eye and um, Jack was um, fair skin, redhead, mm. blue mm. eyes. So mm. he was a prime candidate for melanoma. Mm. And he did actually have melanoma on his arm when he was 21 years old. Okay. And he had it removed. Um, and there was no, you know, no follow-up issues mm-hmm. or anything with that. But mm-hmm. then this had happened. And so at that point, um, we were actually at the University of Iowa for mm. um, his diagnosis because Nebraska didn't have the tools or equipment at that time in 2007. And so um, they were really forcing us to like make an appointment. His eye had to be removed, you know, everything like that. And we were just like, whoa, Mm -hmm. step on the brakes. I mean, it. this turned us into another tailspin. And Mm -hmm. for Jack, too, that was the first time in my life I had really, not first time, but really just seen him lose fight in his self, you know, and I think he was just so scared. And I think he was scared of knowing the possibility of what was going to happen of him leaving Gracie and I. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we were just like, no, we're going to go home to family. We're going to, Jack's like, no, we're going home. So we did go home, um, Mm -hmm. back to Nebraska and we, um, you know, we went through all the testing and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And Jack, uh, had, 
um, terminal cancer at that point. It had spread to his brain and his liver and his spleen. So um, we knew that Jack's um, fight was going to be extremely tough. And we knew that we would probably lose him sooner than Mm -hmm. later. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, we didn't know how long. And Jack fought the toughest fight he really did and he never ever gave up hope Mm -hmm. but our you know our mission and for me when they did tell us he had terminal cancer um and they told us that we wouldn't he wouldn't see his daughter grow up Mm -hmm. you know we I I started grieving Jack then Mm -hmm. um -hmm. in the life that we were going to have and you know, and this is all in the midst of still grieving for Garrett. Uh, that's exactly what I'm thinking, Angie. Like, I can't imagine two years in. Well, it would have been less than two mm-hmm. years in when you got this diagnosis. How tired I was, how weak I felt, how exhausted. Um, we still weren't sleeping well. We had a lot of physical weird pain things happening mm-hmm. just from grief. Our kids were struggling, I'm sure. I mean, I, I can't even imagine. So, yeah, when you said, like... He almost felt like, you know, just devastated that knowing that this was a potential possibility of Mm -hmm. now leaving you guys as well. I can't even imagine because he had to already feel so broken down as a result of losing Garrett. Yeah. You know, and I always, um, I don't know what the science is behind it. I've read quite a bit of stuff, but I honestly feel um, that the death of Garrett fired up this cancer in Jack's body. I, I, a hundred percent believe that. And, you know, there is some statistics that show that, um, you know, and I think Jack tried to be strong for me and Gracie during Garrett's death. And, you know, after that, his body was just fighting on the inside, you know, and we had no idea. And, Mm -hmm. um, I just reignited that cancer that he had had, you know, so many years prior. So, um, you know, so we did, we just, we battled, we battled the, disease and Jack had um, brain radiation. He went through chemo. He did everything. Mm. And um, Jack lost his battle 16 months later. Mm. Um, So February of 2009, about two and a half Mm. years after Garrett had Mm. died, Jack, Jack lost his battle. Mm. So did he go through hospice? Did you have, he did. We had hospice. um, And actually hospice was there for two days. Honestly, Um, Jack did decline. He started having a lot of issues and he was not really set on hospice. Mm -hmm. But in, you know, in a week's time, Jack went from using a cane to a walker to a wheelchair to Mm -hmm. bedridden. Mm -hmm. Jack's best friend was um, he's a they were both on the volunteer fire department in Waterloo. So he was staying with us just because I needed somebody mm-hmm. that knew because I was afraid mm-hmm. of what was going to happen and when yeah. it would happen. Because yeah. I don't know if people understand with hospice, hospice doesn't stay with you. Mm-hmm. When someone is on hospice, they come and they set it up. They do all the things. But if you need something, they'll be there at the drop of a hat. But hospice isn't staying with you all the time. You're mm-hmm. just there and you're in charge. And yeah. Um, I was, you know, I was nervous of what to expect, you know? So, um, so Jack was on hospice for two days and, um, and then he died. And, you know, when he, when Jack died, I really just, um, I had this weight lifted off my shoulder and I know that maybe sound weird to some people, but, Mm -hmm. um, when you're carrying that heavy load of, um, trying to protect and help and, take care of your spouse and all the while, you know, still grieving your son and then mm-hmm. knowing that your daughter, um, mm-hmm. it's just going to be you two. And it's just this weight of not having to fight those battles anymore, mm-hmm. I guess. And so I, I did, I, I, yeah. as much as I was hurting, um, Jack had a carrying bridge site. And when I, I just said, I said, you know, I said, I'm, I'm so happy that he's with our son right now, you know, and I said, I, my first image was that Jack walks in to the heaven's gates and he, um, there's Garrett, Garrett runs up to him and he scoops him up. And, you know, that was, that was my image that I yeah. just had, you yeah. know? Yeah. Very comforting. And that's what I, that's what I, that's what I live on. And, you know, I just think it's, it's, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. To think so that. it is. And so those are, you know, two completely different reactions to death because those are two different kinds of death. I mean, Garrett's being sudden and unexpected and traumatic and 
shocking. And I'm sure Jack's diagnosis was all of those things, you know, unexpected and shocking. Um, but you knew he was going to die. And so, you know, watching his body shut down, watching him suffer compared mm-hmm. to just a phone call, finding out that Garrett, um, wasn't breathing. What, what have you kind of, what have you learned through walking through those different kinds of death and how did that affect your grief? For me, I guess really it was, um, just, you know, the, um, I tried not to too much compare, um, you know, the two deaths too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, I, I was able to think clearer, um, when Jack died and I was able to function more. Um, but you know, the biggest thing is I just really, I mean, focusing on Gracie and I just knew that, for me, I had to be the strong one now mm-hmm. and I had mm-hmm. to, you know, fight, fight for us to be yeah. happy every single day of our life. Yeah. And, um, I mean, really the biggest difference, like I said, um, I felt like the traumatic part of Jack's diagnosis was when they told us that mm-hmm. he had terminal cancer mm-hmm. and that's when I started, started grieving, grieving him. Yeah. So whereas, you know, and so I had 16 months of mm-hmm. grieving him, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. our, our life looked different. Yeah. Um, you know, our life, our life with Garrett's grief was put on hold a little bit mm-hmm. because we mm-hmm. were so focused on yeah. making sure Jack was okay. So, um, yeah, it was really just a lot of, moving forward, I knew I had Mm -hmm. to focus on Gracie. Mm -hmm. That was, she was really my saving grace. Yeah. 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 Very well named. (laughs) Well, I like that you said you try not to compare them because I think that in grief, it can be really tempting for people to compare grief. Um, or even for you, for people to say, Oh, you know, your story is terrible. And for you to start to think, Oh my word. Well, like, I mean, I don't think that's helpful for people to, um, to compare grief or to tell us, me or you, that, you know, that what we're walking through or, I mean, we don't have a choice. We don't so have for a them choice. to say like, I can't imagine, or that's so terrible. I'm like, well, thank you. Yes, it is. Um, but I think it's also wise for you, you know, to just say, I try not to compare the griefs very much because there's not many things that steal our joy more than comparison, whether it be of other people or even just different circumstances. Correct. You're you're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, and I've always said, you know, it's just, um, you know, the, the outcome's the same, you know, it's, it's how we live and how we, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. how we choose to live. And that's why I have one of the, um, these things that I always say, and I don't know who said this, but, um, I practice this a lot and this, I wrote this down after I saw it and I, you know, it's just the three C's of life Mm -hmm. choices, chances, and changes. Hmm. You must make a choice to take a chance or your life will never change. You know, and for me, how I look at it in grief, Mm -hmm. I had to make a choice whether to give up or survive each Mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. I chose to survive. And then by doing that, I had to take a chance on my broken heart and teach it to love and live. Mm. And during this process, I slowly saw my life change into a beautiful story of heartbreak, death, love, hope, and renewal. Hmm. And so I've just, Hmm. I, that's what I focused on really in the beginning. And so I had no choice. No. But that's what I, that's what I did with my choice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So after your um, husband Jack passed away, then you also had another hard loss. Tell us about that. Yes. So, uh, my brother Seth, uh, had been battling a brain tumor for five years and, um, Seth on our farm, Seth and his wife, Joey, um, they lived in the little small house on our farm. And anyways, um, about, um, in March, Seth started having some issues again. So, you know, Jack died February 8th, 2009. And then in March, Seth was having issues and he, uh, basically he, the brain tumor came back. He had his third, um, brain surgery on March 13th of 2009. And he just really never bounced back from that. And so Seth lost his, um, battle in his life on April 7th, 2009. So Mm -hmm. almost exactly two months after Jack had died. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at that point, that was, that was my angry, angry, mad at the world stage. Mm -hmm. And I just, I didn't even know, I didn't even know where to go, what to do, how to, at this point, I was like, how, how 
are we going to even survive any of this? Mm -hmm. And, um, I just, I don't know. I just really had to lean into my faith. Um, Mm -hmm. I let myself be angry for a while, you know, just because I felt like that, that was probably okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but I really didn't know who I was grieving for half the time. Was I still grieving Garrett all the time? Was it Jack? Was it Seth? I I honestly didn't know. And Mm -hmm. a lot of my friends didn't even know at that point how to help me Mm -hmm. anymore either, you know, and Mm -hmm. one of my friends had sent me a message and said, um, this was just recently. And she had said that, you know, she, um, she goes, when I think back on that time period, of your life and our lives with you is she's just like, I still get just a knot in my stomach. Mm. And, um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, my sister-in-law, Joey, she was, um, you know, she was a widow and I mean, you know, we were young and it was, (laughs) yes, and, um, Mm -hmm. but you know, I just, I was, that was when the loneliness Mm -hmm. encapsulated my entire life, Mm -hmm. you know, after Mm -hmm. the anger left, it was the loneliness because mm-hmm. um, I was all alone on the farm now, you know, yeah, my yeah. and because Joey never moved back and mm-hmm. it was I was lonely. I was very yeah. lonely. Yeah, I can imagine. And I understand the anger. And I think you're right. Like, it is OK to feel that. I think I've learned more in my own grief about what different parts of the Bible says about that. And God knows we're going to feel that way. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, some of the Psalms that are out there are really helpful to me to just say, okay, God knew I was going to feel like this. He left these very shocking things in the Bible that people say when they're hurting. And so, cause I just, I remember, you know, we, we had multiple deaths surrounding Jackson's accident. And so there was a lot of fallout from that and different families and different people in the community. And it felt really harsh. And I had some anger too. I mean, I knew in my head that God was a good God. Um, but this just felt too hard. And hearing you say that too, like this was just too hard. I mean, I get it. And, you know, the good news is, uh, you know, with our faith, we have a place to bring all of this. So we're not alone, but we still feel lonely. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we still can give all of these worries and sa- and sadnesses and griefs and everything over to the Lord and still feel sad and lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, hearing all of, you know, funeral upon funeral upon funeral and death upon death. So that affects your joy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've seen people with much lesser things fall into despair. And so for you having um, a lot of loss, a lot of grief, um, death, anger, loneliness, um, a little girl you're trying to, you know, love on and, and raise. um, I can imagine that you had times where you didn't have any joy. So I kind of want to hear from you a little bit of what helped you to find joy um, what some maybe practical tools are that you did, um, or that you experienced or that people did for you that kind of brought you out of what could have caused you to just throw in the towel and give up? Yeah, I, um, I turned to journaling right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I, love I, I preach and preach and preach on journaling because mm-hmm. for me, when Garrett died, um, when I couldn't sleep at night, um, I, I could fall asleep always. Like I was always a good sleeper mm-hmm. in grief, which is strange because some people just don't sleep, but I could fall asleep, but I would wake up in the middle of the night, you know, mm-hmm. two, three o'clock. And yeah. Yeah. for me, if I was just crying or I was just sad journaling, if I could journal, even if it was for two minutes or mm-hmm. 10 minutes and when I could stop crying, then, you know, that I was like, okay, this is, I'm, this mm-hmm. is good. And so then going forward, you know, looking back on my journaling, um, I would see where I was at and then I see how far I've come. Mm, that's helpful. Yeah. And that's, I think it is so helpful because I think people feel like that they haven't moved forward in their mm-hmm. grief and, you know, grief is going to be with us forever. The grief and loss, no matter where we're at, if it's yeah. 15, 20, 25, 30 years. So a lot of times I tell people that they should get plugged into a church before anything bad really happens because a church family can really provide like a unique and super helpful support system when tragedy hits. Um, but I love what you shared with me and we're having coffee about um, you and your husband, Jack, what you guys experienced with the church in your community after Garrett died. You weren't going to a church regularly, right? But Correct. then 
some people in a local church kind of stepped up and were there for you. Will you share a little bit about that and how they kind of helped you um, during that really difficult time, loving on you and providing for you? Yeah, you know, we, um, like you said, we did not have a church family um, at that time. And our elderly neighbors that lived down the street uh, from us, they, they immediately called us and came over and said, we talked to our pastor, um, Pastor Tom Buckley, um, with the United um, Methodist Church in Elkhorn. Uh, mm-hmm. He's no longer the pastor there, but he um, he said, she's um, little Tilly, she's like this sweet little lady, and she said, we've already talked to him. You guys can use him, their church. So we went and met um, Pastor Tom, and mm-hmm. he was um, everything we needed, you know, that we didn't know. And you know, going forward then, um, he did an amazing job Hmm. with Garrett's service, not ever knowing him. And then, you know, when Jack was diagnosed, he, he was one of the last people Hmm. that Jack really talked to when, um, I wasn't able to go Jack to his last appointment, um, because I don't know why, but, um, I wasn't able to go. Mm -hmm. And so he stopped on the way home to talk to pastor Tom at the church. Yeah. And he just said, how am I going to tell Angie? Um, cause Jack Mm. had gotten the news that he only had about six to nine months to live and he only lived two months after Mm -hmm. that, but he felt so comfortable and just felt the power of being there and what, Pastor Tom had given us, um, he had given us the hope that we needed mm-hmm. and just in life through everything. And so then, um, you know, he was there and then throughout that time after, um, really after, um, Garrett had died, uh, a lady that was there had lost her, mm. uh, daughter and, uh, her daughter had died a few years prior to that. And she was a young adult and, mm. Uh, she she contacted me too through and she's just like Angie we have this group and it's a hmm. bunch of moms yeah that yeah. had you know had yeah. lost um, their their kids and so she's like you should come to it and it was led by a gal who's a very um, she's a very devout Christian and she had never lost a child hmm. but she just she knew the Bible and mm-hmm. she knew the community and what it is means to have, Mm -hmm. um, God in your life and how to get the faith back. And I walked into that and basically it was, um, it was everything I needed, you know, and it, it just, I felt peace and comfort during that whole entire time. So, um, and you know, we would not have had any of that without that church. Yeah. And well, I just loved that story and kind of wanted you to share it because I think community, you know, staying in community is key. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't even know what that looks like or how to do that. And when other people kind of come alongside and, and care for us in that way, it can be so helpful. Yes. And I, I just, I feel like, um, you know, I'd add to that just like, you know, the church, um, the church community, they get it no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, I mm-hmm. think it's the other people that don't get it until they know. And so yeah. having that is like you said, it's a very, yeah. it's very key to moving forward in the journey. Yeah. So one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the podcast is because you do have a lot of years of grief behind you. And a lot of people who find my podcast are pretty fresh in grief. And, and I can't even believe how new to grief I was when I even started this podcast, but you've made it through years and years of grief and you're still standing. And I remember in my early years of grief, how helpful and hopeful it was to see somebody further along in their journey. Um, you know, this 10 year mark for us hit us pretty hard. And, um, you and I have both talked about how numbers can be so weird in grief, um, and different significant dates. I mean, even just all of the dates that you rattled off about different diagnoses and death dates. And I mean, we just keep track of these kinds of Mm -hmm. things in different ways when we're in grief. Um, but I'm just wondering if you can, kind of compare a little bit of what your grief looked like that first year. Um, you've talked about having a big heart for people in their first year of grief and wanting to kind of help and guide them um, versus 17 years later, what your grief looks like. So what what kind of advice do you have for somebody just starting? Um, what have you learned, uh, um, you know, that would be helpful for me, um, for somebody who's just a, a couple years in on just starting our grief journey? Well, yeah, I... I always say 
grace, give yourself grace. Um, you know, the, the death, death and the grief journey is something that most people don't understand unless they have Mm -hmm. done it, you know, Mm -hmm. or going through it. And I just really the, you have to give yourself grace. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that first year, you just, you just try to survive however that looks like. Mm -hmm. And when you get past a month and then you get to month two, and then you get to month three, you see yourself evolving a little Mm bit. And, um, basically I think when I look at it now, 17 years later for, you know, my little Garrett, um, I can say his name with just so much happiness Mm -hmm. and love and light and, I almost want to share him more now than I ever have. You know, I, love that. I think in the beginning I was just so stuck. And then I think I, f- I think then when you hit those years, you know, year two, year three, yeah, you don't understand. And I think you think people maybe are like, why is she still grieving so hard? Um, mm-hmm. Why this, you know? And then when you move, when you move forward, yes, those, those dates are so significant but then I feel like we have to realize that when we do hit those dates, you have to look how far you've come mm-hmm. and you have to give yourself grace. And then mm-hmm. how do you honor and remember that person mm-hmm. or your person, your child? How do you, that is so important. And yeah. I think with every passing date, I try to do something big every single time for my people, because I think that is the only way that I can make everything seem perfectly mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. And it's just honoring, honoring their memories always. Yeah. yeah. That's super helpful to hear. I, I think that's maybe where this hit me upside the head. So so hard was I, instead of realizing how far I've come these last 10 years, I'm kind of daunted by, wait, I have to do this another 10 years and then another 10 years and mm-hmm. then another 10 years. Like, I just feel like it, it's taken almost everything in me to get through 10 years that I just can hardly imagine doing it again. Mm-hmm. But I think that's kind of the whole thing of borrowing trouble from tomorrow instead of just being like, okay, let me just back to your journaling thing. That's why that's so helpful mm-hmm. to see how far you've come. Um, <clears throat> so I think that's, that's good advice. That's really helpful for me to think about that, to just remember how far I've come and kind of focus on where we're at now and, um, and then just do the next right thing for tomorrow and just kind of embrace season after season versus thinking ahead to ten, the next 10 years. Yeah. You know, and that's exactly right. You get to, like I said before, the three C's. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get to make a choice of how you want the next 10 years to look like. And um, it's scary. It's scary thought. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mm-hmm. scary when you get out further because you don't want people to forget. Mm-hmm. You don't want to forget their laugh. You don't want to forget their smile. You don't want to forget their smell. You know, you don't want to forget any of that. Mm -hmm. And so the further we move out and it's, it gets scary and it's very hard, but that's why I think it's so important is you get to choose how Mm -hmm. you want the next 10 years to look like, and you Mm -hmm. get to choose, you know, give yourself grace and you choose to remember them every which way and keep on sending their lives out into the world, however that looks. Yeah. And I do, it is encouraging for me too, to hear that you're able to talk about Garrett more easily now. Cause yeah, somebody will say like, tell me about Jackson. And I just burst into tears, you know? So, oh, I love, I just, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm constantly now. And that's, you know, and I don't, you know, I, I, I don't do this all by myself. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I have my faith, I lean Mm -hmm. on heavily Mm -hmm. and that's how I am where I'm at today. It's not because I'm the strongest human in the world to survive I know. Yeah. three losses. I'm, or, you know, four, I'm, I'm not, but I am strong in the sense that, um, I chose to, I chose mm-hmm. to lean on my faith and mm-hmm. that's what's getting me through yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love, I love talking about Garrett mm-hmm. now all the time. Yeah. And like, I just, I want to tell yeah. the funny stories. Yeah. And <laughs> I think, I think I'll get there, you will, you know, more and more over the years where it's not so many tears and yeah. it's you will. easier. Yeah. But yeah, give yourself grace always. A quick reminder here that one of my Fighting for Joy podcast sponsors is Faithful Counseling. 
As I listen to Angie talk about her grief and continue to reflect on my own grief journey, I just can't help but reflect on how helpful solid Christian counseling has been for me. It's seriously been one of the greatest helps in my fight for joy and in figuring out how to keep plowing through the depths of grief and strive to still fully live and embrace the life that I have. So if you are in grief yourself, there is just not a better time to seek counseling. It is worth whatever financial or scheduling sacrifices you might have to make. But maybe you're not dealing with the death of a loved one, but struggling with the death of a dream or of your marriage or of just life not looking like you thought it would. Maybe you're struggling with anxiety or depression, or maybe you can't even put a finger on what you're feeling, but you're just stuck. Maybe life overall is actually pretty good, but you just need help processing and understanding something like a friendship issue or extended family issues. It could even be just that you would benefit from some coaching and guidance regarding your career or in an area of life like parenting. No matter what you are wrestling through, the counselors at Faithful Counseling can help. They offer an online counseling format that makes getting everything lined up super easy and convenient. You could even get paired with a therapist and have your first session within a few days. And don't forget that you have the opportunity to switch counselors at any time to make sure that you find the perfect fit for you and your individual needs. Because they are a sponsor of my show, I'm able to offer you a code for a little discount on their services. Go to faithfulcounseling.com slash fighting for joy. Be sure to add that slash fighting for joy at the end for your discount to take effect. I've said it so many times before, and I will continue to say it. Quality counseling is a worthy investment in your fight for joy. Now let's get back to my conversation with Angie. Well, we've kind of been talking about grief just in general because of the multiple and different kinds of losses you've endured, but because I haven't had a widow on the podcast yet, I would love to spend just a little time talking through that loss specifically. Um, you know, when, when people hear that my firstborn son died, they will often say something like, oh, that's the worst kind of grief or the worst thing they can imagine or every person's worst nightmare. And you and I know that it, losing a child, is, it is brutal. It is horrific. But I can imagine so is losing a spouse back to that comparison thing. Mm -hmm. Like it's not helpful when people say stuff like that, because whatever you're going through is your hard that you're going through. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I've had a number of friends lose their husbands and I have seen them experience so many of the awful things that I've also experienced in grief, but Mm -hmm. without their partner, you know, Mm -hmm. like I can just imagine it being like you said, lonely and just bringing all of these added burdens that you have to carry yourself because you know, Eric and I have processed so much of our grief together. We've been able to make decisions together. We've been able to kind of help and guide our kids in their grief together. Um, but when Jack died, you know, you no longer had that. Mm -hmm. And so share a little bit about, um, your grief as a widow, maybe some of the experiences that you've walked through that would be different than what someone who lost a child or a parent, a mother or father or a friend, um, might experience. Well, again, it just, it goes back to the loneliness and, um, the fortunate part for my widowhood was, is I did have time to talk to Jack. You know, we, we -hmm. were able to have conversations Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. where, um, where he would love to see my life go and where, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, simple things we didn't talk about, which, you know, like simple things like buying dog food, what kind of dog food does the dog eat, you know? (laughs) Um, but you know, I always crack up about that one because I don't know why I always bring it up, but, um, but you know, it's just, you're just not aware of all the things they did. Yes. Well, no, I know it's just stuff like that. And it's just really, um, you know, there's, um, we were blessed that Jack really worked hard, you know, Mm -hmm. in life. So, Mm I didn't have the financial burden that I know some widows do. Uh, I really just leaned into a community of widows and widowers that I'd met. And we were able to share stories of how to navigate everything financially, social mm-hmm. from social security to, you know, when you're 36 years old and you're a widow, mm-hmm. um, you don't know anything about any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, so for, I just really... Um, for me, I kind of wanted to be able to teach Gracie, you know, Jack taught me a lot of how to teach Gracie to grow in life. And that was kind of my focus. Uh, I really did put a lot of my feelings just to the side because Mm -hmm. I just really, he, we really talked about how do we move forward with Gracie 
at this young age, you know, being six then when her daddy dies mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. do we, how do I navigate all that? Right. And, um, like I said, it was just community for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I leaned into all the, my community and our friends and, it was hard because I couldn't lean into family. Yeah. Because all our family were grieving the same losses. Yeah. Was it hard with friend groups? Like kind of, you know, everybody's a couple and now you're not. I yeah. mean, was there added loneliness in that um, as yes. well? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I didn't want to. Yeah. yeah. I didn't want to. I felt like the third will always. Um, you know, what I did after Jack died, which is not probably the smartest thing to do, is I just took Gracie and we traveled. You know, I'm like, we're going to go travel here. We're going to go travel there, you know, but the, the reality of it is it's not smart because when August came around and Gracie had to go to school, um, we had to be home. And then I feel like in the, during that whole time period from the time Jack died and then my brother dying to August, you know, it was, um, I felt like I was running from my grief mm-hmm. by traveling. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we were back in August to get ready, Gracie ready for school. And, you know, that was just, that's when it all hit me again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then I started sense. the whole process again. So that makes sense. Yeah. my suggestion to people is not to try to run away from right, your grief. Right. But yeah, the third, I was a third wheel. Um, my uh, very good friends, some of our very best friends, um, I was always, we would go to Husker games with them. They were very close to us. And then we had um, all our, like, our kids were the same age. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Gracie and their son were born at the same time. And then Garrett and their daughter were born at the same mm-hmm. time. So yeah. Yeah. they, they were, um, they were close. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you like the word widow? What is that? Mm-mm. I mean, I've never asked anybody that before, but I know sometimes when people put a name on you, it can be comforting. Cause it's like, okay, now I know where I fit or I yeah. have this community, but it also brings baggage. It does. So how, I mean, yeah, how I really word... don't like the word widow. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. And widow, widower, you know, and I've kind of talked about this before because it's just like, you don't have words. There's not words for when you lose a sibling or when you lose a child, you're a bereaved mom or a bereaved dad. Um, but you know, the widow, I just, I think it just sounds kind of awful. And it is, yeah. when I had to go to the doctor's office, like for the first time after Jack had died, just for, you know, a checkup or whatever, I had to, you know, fill out my paperwork and there's a box there mm-hmm. that says, you know, single married widow. And I was like, oh boy. Uh-huh. And I just left it blank because yeah. I didn't want to yeah, check the box widow. Because right, I'm just like, right. why? Yeah. And those are all the little things that you just are faced with mm-hmm. in grief that you don't expect. And yeah. the other people have no idea how the millions of these little things like that yeah. um, pop up that yeah. just are so hard. Yeah, it really so does. Hard. you know. Yeah. And then just when you're also, um, you know, single parenting is hard in the fact that just you know, your whole, everything changes where your, your eating habits change. Your, how do you cook for two? How do you cook for an adult and a child that's six, seven, that wants to just eat chicken nuggets and macaroni cheese. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's, you know, you do that. And then, um, but that's, you just, you have to adjust so much in your life Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. you know, there's just so many things that Jack did that, I wouldn't say I took for granted, but I realized that, wow, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then he did a lot. You. Yeah. Well, God is still writing your story in many ways as he is with mine. And one of the joys in your life now has been finding love again and getting remarried. I would love for you to just share a little bit of that part of your journey. What has it been like to continue to grieve? I mean, as you know, we don't move on, we move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're still grieving for Jack. Um, you still got this deep grief for Garrett and for your brother. Um, but then you're falling in love and you're getting remarried. What, what has that yeah. been like? Well, it's been amazing. And I, um, yes, remarried, uh, to my husband chance now. And ironically, he, this couple that I talked about earlier, it was my best friend's brother. Okay. So, um, that's kind of how it just happened. And chance was just always popping up here and there and stuff. And we Mm -hmm. were just kind of like, Oh gosh. And both Jamie and I would say, no, and no, Angie's not going to date chance. I'm like, no, absolutely not. You know? And I, (laughs) and then here we are. Uh And, you uh know, but I will say, um, 
it feels good to have a piece of that um, puzzle back in my heart where mm-hmm. I feel that love and joy mm-hmm. um, because yeah. it, I mean, having that again is just amazing. And Chance has done a phenomenal job being a great dad to Gracie. And, you know, when he asked me to marry him, uh, he asked Gracie first, he took her out to dinner and asked her, he said, you know, I love your mom and, um, I will never replace your daddy, Mm -hmm. but I will be that dad figure that you need in your life. And, um, she said, okay. So that's so sweet. Yeah. They have a they have a very special bond, and you know, Chance didn't. He was not married prior, and he um, did not have any children. Mm-hmm. You know, so we really took it head on um, because I, you know, at this time, I'm older, and I'm like, well, if you want children, you know, and he's like, you know, I think I'm good, you mm-hmm. know, and he just he was really afraid for um, if something would happen again. You know, he was know, feeling that, know, and yeah. he's like, I don't. I don't want you to ever have to go mm-hmm. through that again. I'm like, you know, I said, well, I have Gracie, you know, we have Gracie and, um, yeah. you know, we don't know what things can happen, but he's just like, you know, I'm good. He's like, yeah. we have Gracie. And he goes, let's just, let's just focus on her, us. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then he, you know, he took on, um, the role of being that almost like the son-in-law to Jack's parents. Mm -hmm. And he did a lot for them and Mm -hmm. continues to do a lot. And, you know, he lets me grieve and talk about Jack and Mm -hmm. Garrett. And I mean, we can talk daily about him. We can tell funny stories and, Mm -hmm. you know, and Chance did know Jack. So Mm -hmm. he, um, Mm -hmm. and makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, But, you know, and I, um, the biggest thing chance and I talked about this actually just a while ago. Um, he talked about, I asked him how he felt dating somebody that had lost a spouse and he, uh, says he has a lot of guilt. Sometimes Mm. he feels guilty because Mm. he's like, I feel guilty for living the life that Jack should be living Mm. and raising his daughter when he should have been here. That makes so much sense. And I, um, you know, I appreciate his honesty with that for sure, you know, and, um, it's, it's not easy, but, and I'm, I'm sure I've never, ever wanted Mm -hmm. chance to feel like he was second, um, because I love him just as much as I love Jack. And I just feel like that was the time period that it was supposed to be with Jack. And, um, Mm -hmm. I was given this second chance in love Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I honestly Mm -hmm. feel like um Jack helped me with that as well you know we talked about that before Jack died we talked about me remarrying again Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. loving again and no way did he want me to be a widow my entire life yeah yeah so um, yeah that's beautiful and it is I mean what a blessing to have a husband who can verbalize something like the guilt that he might be feeling which is a really real thing Mm -hmm. and be willing to share that with you so you guys can process and work through that together. I wouldn't have thought of that, um, that he would experience and feel that, but, um, makes sense. And I also think just him kind of being worried about you loving again, provides more risk again, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, when we, there's that great, I wrote it down the CS Lewis quote that says to love it all is to be vulnerable. You love anything in your heart can be certainly wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, don't give your heart to anyone. But then he goes on to say that it might feel safer that way to not let your heart love deeply, especially to love again after you've walked through heartache. But the reality is, yeah, maybe you won't get your heart broken again, but your heart, it gets hard. Mm -hmm. It gets cold and it gets hard. And I think you and I both know people who have succumbed to that in grief, like not wanting to risk loving deeply anymore out of kind of a type of protection. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the most beautiful hearts are the ones who are willing to risk again and keep loving deeply. And it does take a deep trust in God, you know, that, okay, even if something bad does happen again, he has carried me this first time, he will carry me again. Exactly. Um, so just to keep our hearts open mm-hmm. and, and not closed, uh, closed off. So yes, I agree. Yeah, you've also experienced, um, you know, we're talking about kind of thriving in grief and um, not just surviving, but th- but thriving and trying to fight for joy. Mm-hmm. You have had to watch somebody else close to you um, not deal with grief in healthy ways, um, just trying to kind of cope and survive. So would you say a few words about your sister-in-law and kind of what that 
look like uh, shortly after? Was it shortly after Jack died or? About nine years. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Jack's sister, Brooke, um, she lived in Colorado. So she wasn't around us um, mm-hmm. through the through the tragedies. She would be back and forth, but she really was just away from it all. And so mm-hmm. she started suffering immense guilt um, mm-hmm. and depression from all that. And I mean, she had voiced that several times just about, I should have been there. I should have been there. Um, You know, and it's just, we're like, Brooke, it is what it is, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, you weren't, but you know, you're here now. We can, you know, let's work through this together, you know, and um, you know, so her way of coping um, was to turn to alcohol and uh, she did that, you know, then she, um, she ended up losing her job. Um, Her marriage Mm -hmm. became strained Mm -hmm. and um, it was just a battle. And, her parents fought as hard as they could um, to just kind of bring her back to the reality of where she was at in this world, you yeah, know, and yeah. um, Brooke did end up losing her battle to with alcoholism mm-hmm. in um, just this past June. Well, not this past June, June 2018. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's been five years and um, the toll of that um Hmm. has really just been immense for yeah. her, well, for her parents, um, her mom especially. Um, it's, you know, I look at her mom and just how she's lost, you know, her grandson and then her son to cancer and then her daughter just not f- wanting to fight. And she just, she just struggles. She doesn't understand how and why and why couldn't she be strong like you, she has said oh, to me. And that's so hard. I'm like, we can't, we can't compare that, you know, mm-hmm. that was just what mm-hmm. she knew and how yeah. she could yeah. do it. So you know, I just, I really hope people, anybody that, you know, if you're suffering, I know, I know it's hard, but we, mm-hmm. we have to look for the good and, you mm-hmm. know, in anything that we can find and not try to turn to the alcohol for, right, right, you know, or drugs or whatever it may be. Yeah. And I mean, it just, it also just shows the devastating effects of guilt. You know, we're just not made to carry that. And it gets yeah. back to what you said very early on as we started talking about extending grace mm-hmm. to yourself and to others. And yeah, just there's nobody who is going to walk through this life perfectly. No. And, you know, to try to carry guilt and try to carry shame and some of these things that we weren't built for, you know, mm-hmm. they will, they will drive us to run to things that kind of promise to help. They promise relief. They mm-hmm. promise to numb the pain. And some of, sometimes they do for yeah. a while. Yeah. And I totally get that, but these are just lesser things that, overpromise and under deliver and kind of leave us um without joy for yes. sure. Yes, yeah. 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 Well, like um I have tried to do with this podcast, you have <laughs> also worked to find ways to turn your pain and your journey with grief into a way to help other people. And so I would love to kind of start wrapping this up um, by having you tell us about your blog and about your new uh, greeting cards. Yeah. So uh, last June, June of 2000, um, what is this year? 2022. Mm -hmm. um, I started a small greeting card business called Butterflies and Halos. Mm -hmm. And you know, the butterflies for me represent, um, you know, just the transformation our lives go through. Mm -hmm. And, um, I have been through a lot and, Mm -hmm. you know, the, just the, the hope and the rebuilding. And then the halos represent all my people, um, Mm -hmm. all Mm -hmm. my boys and my sister-in-law Brooke. And so butterflies and halos was started June, 2022. And it's a greeting card business. And, um, I'm hoping to add more product. Like mm-hmm. I was kind of telling yeah, you, yeah, um, I, I want to expand it into journals, um, notebooks, um, notepads, different things like that. But it basically focuses on, um, how we can show up for our mm-hmm. grieving friend, yeah. how as a friend can yeah. we show up for our grieving friends and not, um, you know, help them navigate the grief journey without mm-hmm. trying to fix it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, it helps us create space for the grievers. Um, so they feel less alone. Um, Mm -hmm. and then we can Mm -hmm. show up intentionally, you know, if you purchase a card, you're showing up intentionally for your friend. Cause I think we forget that after the, the month mark, um, Mm -hmm. what happens is people start, um, going away. Um, they start, you know, you don't see them as much. And so if we could have a card, send it to your friend once a month, Um, basically I think that would, I mean, it just, 
to me, I think that feeling would be great. You're, you're acknowledging that they're still mm-hmm. grieving, that they're going to be a forever griever. So that's kind of how it all just kind of grew. And yeah, I love it. Yeah. So give us some examples, because if you think about the typical cards we see at the store, they will say like, oh, I hope, you know, your family and friends surrounding you will make you feel better or deepest yeah. sympathy or you know, yeah. what, what are some things that you yeah. say that are different? <laughs> well, I have a variety. So I have over a hundred cards on my Etsy store oh, right wow. now. That's awesome. One of my first ones I created was I didn't bring the casserole. I brought the wine, my PJs and my listening heart, mm-hmm. you know? So, mm-hmm. and that's, that's what we have to do in grief. We just have to yeah. listen to our friends. Yeah. You know, we're yeah. not, we're not here to fix them. We're just, we're going to listen to them. If they want to repeat the story over and over mm-hmm. and over again, mm-hmm. then let them repeat it. You know, I would rather receive that card from a friend than one that says with deepest sympathy, um, you're in my thoughts and prayers. I mean, I as well intended as those are, and they are beautiful. That's great. Um, sometimes you get so many of those that your friend just doesn't, you know, they don't want them. And then I have, you know, just some basic ones, you know, it's okay to not be okay. I mean, Mm -hmm. we've all heard that that. phrase. Um, yeah, I, and I have, you know, I have very well intended ones too, you know, just getting through the, um, you know, the process, you know, the grief journey. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, Yeah. it's just, I just love them and they have been very well received in the community. And I know that when I go to pop-up events and different things, uh, people, I, they start looking at my cards and, uh, people start crying. Mm. Uh, they, they're just like, oh my gosh, these cards are just amazing. And, um, yeah, they're like, they're so needed. They're so needed. And yes, you can't find anything like this at Hallmark no. or Target no. or anywhere. No, no. And I, I mean, obviously, the message is not to make anybody feel guilty for any card no. they've ever sent. Exactly. I mean, send all the cards. <laughs> sending a card is better than not sending a card. You know, there is no perfect card. Kind of what you said, like, yeah. there's no fixing here. Yeah. So send all the cards. Yes. But also, <laughs> this is another option. So what if people want to buy a card from you or a couple cards. How do they find your blog? How do they find your Etsy store? Well, um, I am on, well, my Etsy store is just at Butterflies and Halos. So okay. if you go to Etsy, um, you search Butterflies and Halos. And then my blog is, um, I have a website, www.butterfliesandhalos.com. And then any um, social handles, Instagram and Facebook is um, at Butterflies and Halos. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then I'm working on my website to sell my product on my website. So hopefully that'll launch sometime soon. (laughs) So how has it been for you and your grief and in your fighting for joy and just kind of that whole idea that you and I have talked about, about grief and joy and grief and happiness, all kind of coexisting to be doing this? Because I know for my own, you know, podcast work, um, often it feels counterintuitive at the beginning of like, I have nothing to give anybody. Mm -hmm. I am a mess myself. But the more you kind of look to ways to help people and encourage other people, um, you do kind of catapult yourself into a new level of healing and hope and joy yourself. Have you experienced that? Yes. A hundred percent. I have. Yeah. I just, the, like I said, when I do my pop-up events, that's when I feel the most, I, I don't know my whole body. I can't explain the feeling sometimes. Mm -hmm. I just feel this immense joy and I, um, I, I know that I'm helping people and it's something simple, you know, as the card, but I, um, I really just feel that it's, I don't know. Yeah. The little things that we do, even, you know, Mm -hmm. like I do the little memorial things, uh, in memory of, you know, my son and my husband and everything that it's just, it's, it's doing those things brings a level Mm -hmm. of peace and joy to me. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, and I, someone once said that, you know, um, I had kind of said that, you know, that people pass away twice when they physically die. And the second time when you stop sharing their story Mm. and I'm not sure who said that, but I just, that is for me, I'm telling my family story right Mm -hmm. through my cards Mm -hmm. and because I will not stop sharing and telling their story mm-hmm. because I don't want that to ever go away. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I don't want it to either. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, again, I don't know if everybody until you, until you're there, you don't quite understand that, but um, this is a beautiful way to continue yes. to tell people about your people and to share their stories. Um, is there anything that you would like to leave? Anything we didn't talk about um, before we wrap this up? Just really, I just, I mean, I appreciate what you're doing too, because I, I feel like what you're doing, um, 
is amazing oh, and yeah. you are helping people more than you realize. Um, you. um, sharing, like I just said, sharing our stories are, it's very important mm -hmm. in the grief journey. And mm -hmm. I always leave my blog when I leave, end it. Um, you know, we are all better together mm -hmm. because without, um, each other, we cannot move through this journey, um, at all in this life. And so I always just say better together. Let's all do better mm -hmm. together. That's awesome. Well, that's a great word to, to leave on. And I'm just, I know this episode's going to help um, people just hearing you persevere for all of these years, finding joy, um, fighting for joy, and um, in the middle of hard stories, just being reminded that there is hope. And um, so, and one of the blessings for me in grief is meeting other really special people um, who have also uh, walked through really hard things. So I'm thankful that we're connected now and it was fun to do this together yes, yes. thank you so much for yeah. having me on thanks angie yes thank you so much for listening today if you were helped or encouraged by this episode please share it with others i would also love for you to find me on social media you can connect with me and others who are listening on my fighting for joy podcast page on either facebook or instagram you can also send me an email at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com. Podcasts have been such a lifeline for me in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you. Keep fighting for joy.